Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Through 25 seasons, 4,561 episodes. I believe The Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the LOLs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The moments that mattered. The eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. I want you to think about what makes you have an orgasm. Hello? (laughs) Nice thought, huh? (laughs) Well, I read about our topic today in a New York Times Magazine article. It was so fascinating. Readers all over the country have been reacting to it, and many want to hear from the doctor who made these claims, Okay, Female sex therapist Dr. Marta Miana concluded in that article that when it comes to sex, what women really want is to be desired. Think about that for a moment. In fact, she believes that being desired, this is a quote from her that struck me in that article. She said, being desired is the orgasm. Well, a few days ago, we talked to some women to see if they agree. I would say every woman wants to be desired in a sexual relationship. My husband sometimes, like when we're out with a group of friends or we're someplace at a party, I'll be talking to someone else and um, I will feel that he's looking at me across the room. I can just tell that he's, you know, he has his eyes on me and I love that feeling. I think the pursuit makes the sex more intense. I actually think that the pursuit is 100% better than the actual sex itself. I mean, because that's kind of the icing on the cake, but the chase is what is what makes it fun. It's what makes the icing sweet. <laughs> We've been together 26 years this month. In the beginning, it was never an issue. It could be anytime, anywhere. It was wonderful. But I cannot remember the last time I wanted to rip his clothes off. For me right now at this point, because I'm the caretaker and I'm, I'm a nurse, so I'm taking care of people all the time at work, um, I prefer to be dominated because it's one less thing to have to think about. <laughs> I like to be dominated. I mean, I think maybe it just makes me feel like they really, they want me. There's something about me that they want. I was actually hanging out at a bar one night 
and I had seen a guy. I was super attracted to him, and I remember going to the bathroom, and he actually pushed the door open, plastered me to the wall, and started making out with me. But I'm not kidding you. It was like the best <laughs> ever. It was very, you know, aggressive, take charge, and that's what made it super sexy. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Wow. And all the guys say, we hit the jackpot on this show. <laughs> uh, Dr. Marta Miana is here, and she's a professor of psychology at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, has been studying women and sexual desire for nearly 20 years. Thank you so much for that article. I thought it got us all thinking in a different kind of way. Why do you say that being desired is the orgasm? I'm not knocking orgasms, they're great. Uh, but being desired is extremely arousing for women. Mm -hmm. And part of what the reason for that is because being desired means that a man doesn't just want to have sex, they want no. to have sex with you. Yeah. That it's very specific. But the reason I went as far as to say that it's the orgasm is because if you look at how women behave and what we spend our time and energy and lots of money on, uh -huh. it's on desire creating behaviors rather on, than on trying to get sex. That is true. It Desire is true. creating behaviors. That's right. So what women are really trying to do is to lure the man into wanting them. That's right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they necessarily want to have sex. Now, interesting, you also said in that uh, New York Times article that what women, a lot of women want exactly what that woman described, you know, the guy coming into the bathroom, throwing up against the wall. Now, th that would scare me, but anyway. Be <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Apparently, it worked out for her. It worked out for her. Uh, <laughs> but, but what did you mean by that? A lot of women want to, do you, you all think about being thrown up against the wall? <laughs> or want to be thrown up against the wall metaphorically? Right. The image that I was trying to communicate there was the sense that somebody wants you so intensely that they're overcome by their desire. Yes. That they throw caution to the wind and that they're going to steal that kiss and they're going to take a chance that you're going to be okay with it. Yeah. That they don't have to ask you if it's okay. But of course, this only works if we're attracted to the person doing yeah, that it. That works if you're attracted to it. And this does not involve violence or pain. Of course, not you're not at talking. all. Nothing about coercion. The, when these women talk about domination, what they're trying to communicate is that I was so wanted by yes. someone I wanted. Yes. yes. I was so wanted by somebody I, I also wanted. Right. And that is why, as I was reading that article, it reminded me of a long, 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 long time ago. I was on a blind date that I, I, I didn't even want to order the baked potato because I thought it would take too long. This was uh, <laughs> in my 20s. You, know, you, you all have had those, right? <laughs> and I remember the guy afterwards, where it was obviously no connection, no nothing, saying, is it all right if I kiss you? And, and you know, and you think, 
Well, if you gotta ask me, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you, exactly. that, that's what, I hadn't thought of that in years that's and I read right. that article and said, that's the problem. And that's what I was trying to tap into with that image. Right. Yes, that he's overcome. He's not asking you if it's okay. Do women really know what they want? I think it's complicated. Mm -hmm. I think they want to be desired sometimes. Sometimes they also just want sex. They want a combination of things. But don't you hear, though, so many women come home, you know, everybody has to work now. They're exhausted, Absolutely. you know? And women are, can be in happy relationships mm -hmm. without desiring sex or even being desired. And even if their husbands do desire them, a lot of people are too tired to do anything about it. No question. Bad sex happens to good couples all the time. No sex happens to good couples. And one of the reasons that I wanted to kind of put the emphasis on we can't just go after fixing relationships to fix sex is because a lot of good relationships don't have good sex, precisely for some of the reasons that you're mentioning. Mm -hmm. We're tired, it, we're, it's the end of the day, you put the kids to bed, you've done all of the things that you had to do, and, and you don't feel like it. Okay, why does passion always fizzle? Because passion is dependent on novelty, on discovery, on desire, on being desired, and what happens in relationships is we fall into these old patterns. Routine kills passion. Absolutely kills Sameness passion. Sameness kills passion. Sameness kills, and we start thinking that we figured everything else mm -hmm. about each other out when, when in fact we haven't. And you say that it's really wrong of us to think that better intimacy, because a lot of women just mm -hmm. say, you know, that, well, let's talk about it, let's cuddle, let's, that better intimacy automatically leads to better sex. It does not? It does not. You would think it would. Well, you know, it does not. I mean, clearly bad relationships well, you're the are... therapist, <laughs> I believe you, but... Yeah. No, it, it does not. And what we find is that therapists are often working on the relationships of women who don't feel like having sex a lot, assuming there must be something wrong with the relationship. And what we often find is that there isn't. And we're making people feel bad about their relationships just because they don't want to have as much sex as their husband does. So what should we be doing? We should be normalizing. There are differences in sex drive. There are gender differences in sex drive. There are individual differences in sex drive. And I think we all have to kind of take a breath and not catastrophize that, not make a big problem out of it. Because you studied happily married women I did. who have very low sex drives. Yes. And is that because of what we're talking about, the sameness, the, it, it's, it's, it, is it inevitable? It's inevitable, I think, that passion is gonna wane with time to a certain extent. But I also think that we can do a lot to keep that passion alive. But you asked me about that study, and it's a fascinating study because the very thing that women in these marriages really valued, that closeness with their husband, was what was getting in the way of their desire. Because of the familiarity, they were into each other's lives so much that they're almost the same person at some point. There's no sense of otherness, no mystery, mm -hmm. no excitement. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that almost all of them talked about was the over-availability of sex, the over-accessibility. It was no longer something special that, you know, you both snuck out to do. It had become a chore. It had become an obligation. It was, many of them used this phrase, and it's terrible to think of it, but one more thing on my to-do list. Well, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Miana. I thought that article was wonderful. What has been the reaction? The reaction has been incredible. Um, I was absolutely inundated uh, with emails from women primarily actually thanking me 
they were very grateful, which I found really interesting, because they felt that I had said some things about the way their desire works yeah. that they were afraid to say without feeling judged. I thought you articulated it beautifully. Thank you so much, you Dr. Miana. What mysterious force attracts women and men to one another? A new kind of researcher and a lot of human guinea pigs are uncovering the science of sex appeal. In Vienna, Austria, evolutionary biologist Carl Grammer and Elizabeth Oberzacher are leading the research on pheromones, or human scent. They discovered there's a point during a woman's menstrual cycle when an invisible biochemical attraction occurs. When women ovulate, they produce copulins. It's a scent that attracts men. They say it can increase a man's level of desire for a woman they normally might not find attractive. To prove their theory, the researchers had a group of men inhale low, undetectable doses of copulins while rating the attractiveness of women. They believe one whiff of copulins causes an immediate rise in the level of the male sex hormone, testosterone. Bars and nightclubs across the world are the battlefield for this invisible biochemical war. Men are secreting androsterone, a pungent odor that repels all women except those ovulating and women fire back with copulins, which makes men find them sexy. I have, for years, people have been asking me to do a perfume. I now know it should be called... <laughs> Oprah's Copulins. Oprah's Copulins, yes. <laughs> sex therapist Dr. Laura Berman uh, joins us, too. She's the author of Real Sex for Real Women. So what do you say about that scent thing? It's like puppies in heat. Absolutely, we are innately all puppies in heat. I mean, that's where it comes from, from our evolution. We are capable of discerning 10,000 different scents consciously, but then there's a whole realm of unconscious scents that we're not even aware that we're smelling that let us know when women are fertile, whether a man has high levels of testosterone and is going to be able to reproduce. It's all about survival of the species. I thought that was interesting that, that in that study mm -hmm. about men with higher levels of testosterone, they they lose their heads. Well, they lose their heads <laughs> because often there have been these jokes about men thinking with their penises. Yeah, yeah. And so and that's... there's a version of that, and they're not. And, and I don't think it's even conscious. That was what was so fascinating about the study is that it's just that, like, hey, she's attractive. I'm smelling unconsciously these copulins, which are triggering me and my reproductive system. So you know, I'm finding you attractive. So it really is like a dog in heat. It is sort of like a dog in heat, and it's also, I mean, obviously... So I think that's so interesting, don't you all? And, and I, you know, this is what I tell people, because I hear from women all the time, you know, I love him, but I'm not in love with him. You know, there is a difference between love and chemistry, and hopefully you want them both. And one of the things that I tell women is take a really good whiff of him without cologne on when he's relatively clean, you know, and if that smell turns you on, that's a really good cue of his chemistry, because, of your chemistry. Because women are innately drawn to men who are good matches for them. Right, this is, and this was such a cool study that um, they had women smell T-shirts of men. And the smell that the women were attracted to were uh, T-shirts of men who had what's called different MHC from them. MHC stands for myohistocompatibility complex. It's basically like a series of 100 genes that have to do with your immune system. So when we mate with people, we unconsciously want to mate with someone who has a different immune system than ours because that helps with the survival of our offspring. So women were attracted to the smell of men who had different MHC than them. 
And so what's all the cologne stuff about then? I don't know. I think there's a lot to be said for not masking those odors and allowing your natural essences, your copulations. The, tr the truth is you don't know when you're drawn, that that's what you're drawn to anyway. Like men are drawn to women who are ovulating because yeah. the estrogen levels are higher and the yeah. breasts get rounder and there's and something. And your faces get more attractive. In yeah, fact, strippers, happens. when they are ovulating will make, they did a study where they'll make $75 in tips when they're ovulating and only 30 when they're on the pill and they're not ovulating. Because when you're on the pill, you don't ovulate. So men unconsciously want to tip a stripper more when she's ovulating. <laughs> I know. Who knew? Who, Who knew? knew? BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Okay, so now I want you all to watch an experiment. This time it's not about sex appeal and scent. It's about the pitch of your voice. I found this so interesting. Research shows the higher a woman's voice, the more desirable she is to men. Dr. Gordon Gallup of the State University of New York at Albany has been studying how estrogen affects the pitch of a woman's voice during ovulation. And that's what men are unconsciously, you know, they're unconsciously, it's in their evolutionary DNA to seek out women who, with whom they're going to be able to pass their genes off. Now, this is interesting because you were saying if you're on the pill for a period of time, it inhibits your ability to... To sniff the guy out, absolutely. Women on the pill, your body is being tricked into thinking you're pregnant, so you're not ovulating, which is why the strippers on the pill didn't give out the, that copulent scent. But also, they found in that study I told you about where the women were smelling the T-shirts, that if you're on the pill or if you're on hormonal contraception, then you actually were attracted to men with similar MHC to you versus different MHC. And, and the bad news there is that if they have also looked at these couples who have similar MHC, and not only do they have higher levels of infidelity and higher levels of marital discord, but they also have more fertility issues. Wow. Yeah. What makes a face drop dead gorgeous? For most of us, the face is where it all begins. Dr. Kendra Schmidt is an assistant professor of biostatistics at the University of Nebraska Medical Center. She studies facial sex appeal. And you say there's an equation to measure the perfect face. Right, so we've developed an equation that can calculate someone's attractiveness. And the things that go into the equation are the golden ratio, which is a proportion that's been used for thousands of years to define beauty in art and architecture. We also measure facial symmetry as well as some other proportions, and we use all of these things to calculate an attractiveness. Okay. So what is the golden ratio? I've heard that before. Mm -hmm. woman who does my eyebrows talks about that, Anastasia. Uh, so what does that mean? The length of your face should be a little bit more than one and a half times larger than the width, width of your face. Some of the other things that we measure, um, the face should be divided into three equal pieces vertically. So the forehead, 
and then the nose, and then from the nose to the chin. All three of these pieces should be equal. Okay, so Dr. Smith used the golden ratio on some famous faces, and here's how they measured up on a scale from one to 10. First up, Angelina Jolie. Anybody have a guess? You thought eight, 10 and a half. <laughs> okay, let's see, what, what was it? Angelina Jolie was a 7.67. And that's pretty high. Most people rate about four to six. Most average people are four to six. Mm -hmm. On her, the thing, probably that's um, lowering her score is the thing that she's most famous for, and that is her full lips. So for the mouth, the ideal ratio is for the width of the mouth to be about twice the height. Let's look at some other people. Okay. Halle Berry. Um, she rated a 7.36, so again, very high score. And she is an example of someone that has a really nice symmetric nose. Mm -hmm. Um, when we look at the three pieces of the face, you can see that the forehead section on, on her may be a little bit larger than the nose and then the lower face. Okay, she looks great to me. She looks great to me too. <laughs> has, has anybody ever been a 10? No, there hasn't been anyone who's been a perfect 10. So if there's someone out there that's a perfect 10, we're still, we're still looking, looking for you. Looking to see who they are. What about People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive, Hugh Jackman? Oh, man, hi, Hugh! <laughs> I love him! <laughs> Better not say anything bad about him. <laughs> no, really, what was his score? Um, his score was about a 6.45. If we look at his picture, you uh -huh. can see that his eyes are kind of small when you compare him to the distance between the eyes. But look at them, the they, pierce, yeah, they pierce your <laughs> own When he looks at you, you have been looked at. It's really... That's that's right, and, and this is just the face, and I'm sure there's a lot more to being the sexiest man alive than just the face. We look at the whole package. Yeah. <laughs> whole package is pretty good. <laughs> I wanted to ask, who was the highest rated celebrity? Brad Pitt's the highest that I've ever used the program on. I don't think that surprises very many people. Yeah. <laughs> There's that golden ratio working for you yeah. because of the proportion of the forehead and the chin to the nose and the, the whole thing. The whole thing. He was a 9.3. 9.3. Well, then. Oh. All right, go, Brad. Yeah, I've often wondered, too, I mm -hmm. think when you're a really, really beautiful woman, that you get used to getting away with things based upon your looks. I don't think really beautiful women have to try as hard. They don't have to try as hard. I find that there's also sort of this sense that they're not really valuable for things other yeah. than their beauty. And then we all age, and when we start to age, or our beauty isn't, you know, the as your, your golden ratio, your golden ratio is a little tarnished, to sag yes. a little bit. Yeah, you know, then they don't they don't have anything else to hold on to. And those are the women that I see so desperately grasping to the plastic surgery, anything to maintain because that's what they've been taught to value about yeah. themselves. Their I whole think lives. that's really interesting. You were shaking your head, Dr. Mianna. If I may say, you know, there's something that that, that Laura Berman's saying that's very interesting, and that is that as we get older, and this comes back to the whole issue of desire, we are getting less external feedback about our attractiveness. And so we often talk about the decline in desire in older women as having to do with menopause 
or hormonal changes. I would add to that that we're living in a world that stopped looking at us. Oh. Right. That we're not getting that your desirable That's feedback right. yeah. from the world. Well, I was thinking us. that you're living in a well, if you're not ovulating, then you're not p putting out the, the copulence. And yeah. so maybe well, that hurts too. Yeah. Right? I grew, up with, I grew up with a sister, and I was always the ugly sister. You know, I was the one that was interesting looking, and she was the beautiful one, and we were always compared to each other. And my mom was really, or is really beautiful, both of them. And so I grew up being taught not to value myself as being beautiful, that I was smart, that I was good in school, that I was thoughtful. And what I've noticed as we're all aging is that, and they'll probably kill me for saying this, but my mom and my sister handle aging very differently than I do. They're having a much harder time with it. And I think it also speaks to the importance as a parent for teaching your daughters, beautiful especially, that you're valued for so much more yeah. than just being beautiful. Right. This small experiment reveals how social and financial status can change a woman's perception of a man. Photos of men, including fake jobs and incomes, were shown to random women on the street. They were asked to rate the men on their attractiveness using a scale of one to 10. This man was given a four earlier based on average attractiveness alone, but give him a job as a high-powered music exec with an income of $245,000, and the results change significantly. And this man, who ranked lowest in terms of attractiveness in the lab test, gets a big boost with an imaginary six-figure software business. The test revealed that women are turned on by both looks and wealth. Dr. Berman, explain why women who are attracted men with money aren't necessarily gold diggers. What it is is that it goes once again back to evolution. When we were having babies who were very dependent on us, we couldn't hunt and take care of ourselves. So we were looking for the man with the most social status, who was the best hunter, who was going to bring us home the biggest chunk of meat for us and our babies. And it's still literally. true, literally, mm -hmm. the biggest chunk of the biggest piece of the kill. The guy with the highest status, who was the best hunter, got the biggest piece. And it's the same thing today. So women are unconsciously attracted, not so much to the way men are to women, looking for what we call reproductive viability, a woman who's going to be healthy, who's young enough to bear our genes. We're looking for someone who's going to bring us the biggest chunk of meat. Period. Period. I mean, that's Still. obviously personality plays into it and in our and our early childhood and who you know there's so many factors so that's so interesting how the guy who everybody everybody here some people here were saying it was eight or ten and was rated eight or ten when you see he's making twenty three thousand mm -hmm. dollars a year your primal gene he goes kicks. Cute. He, he's not <laughs> as cute because right. what kind of meat is he gonna bring home <laughs> And only only yeah. $23,000 worth of <laughs> And meat. now, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it changes over time because for this past several decades, women can take, you know, they don't need we someone to bring home ourselves. meat. We bring home our own meat. So, you know, that how are things That is what evolution is. Right. That's what evolution is. So over is. the next hundred years, you know, how are we going to evolve and what are we going to, how are well, things going to change? Well, that is what I'm, what I think is even, we're in the midst of that yeah, now. absolutely. Is that, you know, the, the whole purpose of marriage and mating and all of that is changing because you don't need the men to provide the meat. Or the baby in yes. some cases, right. you know, so it's all changing. And women are using, are starting to use different criteria to choose a man. If she's making the 325000 a year, she doesn't need a guy who is. Right. Dr. Helen Fisher says during a kiss, chemicals are activated that stimulate different regions of our brains. Testosterone is at the center of a woman's sex drive, as well as the chemical dopamine. 
And you say 66% of women? 66% of women say they would dump a guy after a first bad kiss. That it's because it's not only because you're getting that good whiff of him, so you're seeing if that you're, you like the way he smells, but all your senses are engaged, and you also get a sense of his sensuality, his connection, whether he's a take charge kind of guy or you know less of a stepping back kind of guy. So you really learn a lot from a kiss. Okay, this, I have to say this: how often a couple kisses determines the happiness of the relationship. That's right. And in fact, it turns out that couples who kiss and cuddle regularly are eight times less likely to be stressed and depressed than individuals who don't get that. A real kiss or those that are like, you know, peck things? Just that intimacy, that connection, but you're absolutely right that the peck things, as you <laughs> call it. You know, I said, save that. Yeah, don't Save that for your mama, I don't need it. That, yeah. <laughs> really, don't waste your time you with that. You gotta have a minimum of a 10 second kiss every day. Right, or does it matter? Yeah, or it doesn't count. Oh, it's just, you know yeah. that. It's like, hey, it's like a pat on the back. Right. Okay. It's going through the Minimum motions. 10 seconds. Minimum of So 10 how many seconds. people here in this audience right now can say they've had a minimum 10-second kiss this week? Probably about a third. That's, that's not a third. Okay, good. <laughs> Have you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can say it might have been 27. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thank you again. Thank you again. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, the podcast. And I thank you for listening. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas, Register today at thisisils.org.